And we are live for another episode of Cuzzlewop, where you'll always find two cousins, one podcast, endless entertainment. Tonight, me, Isaiah, aka IV, is the host. I am the host for this evening. And I'm excited to also be joined by the one, the only, Arrow. And we're glad to be here because tonight we're going to talk about something really important. And we hope you've made your trip to the movies to see Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Because we're about to dive really deep in, really break down how we felt about the movie. Um, Certain parts we liked, certain parts we might not have liked. I'll be honest with you guys, I'm a little nervous for this one. And the reason why I'm nervous is because usually Willie and I don't talk about how we feel about a piece of entertainment until we get to the podcast, which is cool, but sometimes we'll talk a little and I can get a general vibe of what Willie might be thinking. But tonight, I have a really bad feeling that Willie is on the opposite end of the opinion spectrum than me, and I'm scared. So let's just jump in, bro. I only want to dilly-dally. Let's get to mixing. Are you, is you ready? What's up? I'm here. I'm ready. I don't, I don't know what vibe you think I'm going for. I'm just, I'm excited to have this conversation. It's. I think you're nervous because the, the vibe that you gave me when you sent that, I was like, that is interesting. And so we are going to disagree here based on your initial text message to me. But I'm excited to see where this conversation goes because I'm ready to spit some some stuff. Man, and uh, let's just give them some more context, right? Because another thing we always say here at Kazawap is we're breaking down entertainment not for one specific type of person. So now you know, I went and I saw the movie uh, with my homeboy Terry, shout out to Terry, uh, Weekend Of, and here at Kazawap, if you've been around for a bit, you know we've, we've jumped into the MCU topic one, two, three times maybe. In fact, we've got a video where we briefly go through phases one through three, deeply dive into phase four, and now we're picking up on phase five here with Guardians. Um, and so that's what I've got inside my mind. I've got these thoughts of, I want to see what Marvel's gonna do. Is this movie going to push forward what Marvel's doing as a whole, or is this going to be an independent thing like Guardians tends to be because James Gunn is just like that. So all that being said, I didn't know, but I went in there and my response is I was pleasantly entertained. I was entertained. I cried and it's the first time I think a Marvel movie has ever made me cry. Never cried during a Marvel movie. Um, like I, 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 I'm talking like 2G tears, fan. Like, just two out the left eye. That's different for me. This this would have been the third, I believe, MCU movie to make me hit a hit a tier two. Okay, so then that even that even speaks, bro. Because if me don't agree on this point, I just don't know. I don't know. I'm scared for you. I'm scared for you, bro. I'm scared for you, bro. I'm scared for me, to be honest. Anyways, so I enjoyed it. I felt like there was. You see, James Gunn is so good at deep, deep emotional moments and um, comedy not disrupting it, but rather complimenting it, that he's just so good at that. And I think that Guardians have always had this happy marriage between being really funny, but also being super heartfelt. You know, Guardians 2, we touched on Peter's family or Peter's dad. um, And that was a very emotional story about fatherhood. and, And we saw that parallel through the different characters. First movie is obviously one of the most iconic MCU movies. So I'm gassed. I'm excited. And I felt like they not only hit the bar, but I think they knocked it out the park. This was definitely um, a contender for my favorite Guardians movie. Um, outside of the, 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 the first one, the first one being so iconic, I think this kind of just passed it. I think it was so good. And what, what James Gunn is also really great at is he's great at not making one character's character development shallow just because he has so many characters to work with. I feel like we got genuinely deep character development and growth, which we should if this is the last one, right? And I think every single guardian felt like a protagonist. Obviously, we have two main people we're talking about for majority of the movie, but he pushes Drax up to the front a lot in this movie. He has some great lines. We see a lot of nebulous development as a character and uh, maturity and not be such a hard ass all the time and start to be a bit more softer in heart. We saw Rocket just shut up for an entire movie and we saw something way deeper and not just what's coming yapping out of his 
his mouth and his pain. We got to dive deep into that. We get Peter and we see where he ends his story. It's like he had to go through this adventure before he could, you know, get back home. There was something he needed to figure out and something clicked for him on this in this movie. And they picked, they put it on the screen well. Gomorrah, who's not even the same Gomorrah. Mantis. Mantis is one of the best characters in this movie, in my opinion. You know what I mean? So I just think every character had its shine and development and then he intermingles their stories and they cause, you know, there's one fight scene where, or not a fight scene, an argument where Gamora says, I don't know, I don't know what's broken in you that makes you, you try to find like your life in me. But at the end of the day, that's something you need to handle. And she yells it in such a genuine way. And I'm like, yo, bro, they're really going off because her development as a character needed to have that moment. And he needed to hear that. And I'm just like, yo, James Gunn's is so great at this. Plus, we get action. Plus, I'm laughing my ass off. Tell me you didn't laugh out loud at least three times in this movie. And to me, it's like, it's Marvel, bro. This isn't A24. This isn't like... This isn't a comedy movie. This is a superhero movie, and he's knocking it out the park. He's knocking it out the park. I walked out of the movie. Now that you know where I'm at, I knock, I walked out of the movie, and I texted Willie. Top five Marvel movies of all time, in my opinion. I know. I know. And I think it's better than Endgame. And I think it's better than Endgame. I know it sounds crazy. I'm, I'm part of the camp, Willie, as you know. And I, I know I'm going off. I'm going to let you take it, but I just wanted you to know where I'm at. I know people who are really tapped in and they get and they know that Infinity War is leagues better of a movie than Endgame. 100%. Exactly, because you're a part of the same camp. If, if you don't agree with that, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what to say to you. All I know is this. This movie was better than Endgame. Top five, if not top three. Top five in my mind for my list, no way. Even thinking about the movies that the MCU has delivered, there's four movies that I think completely wash this. And so I'm like, damn, I wonder what Isaiah's top five looks like. So if you guys are listening to this on Thursday, May 25th, then you can expect tomorrow our, our top, our ranked MCU list roughly to be out there in the universe so that we could all see it. But that's a crazy thing right there. Um, I mean, listen, some of the points you were saying right now, we're going to dive deeper into the individuality of the Guardians movies, as you mentioned earlier, yes, I felt that here. This movie has no concern about what the MCU is doing with Phase 5 or anything like that. It is a Guardians-focused movie, and I appreciate that about all three films. Because even in Guardians 1, where there were a growing universe with the Infinity Stones, you didn't feel that. You didn't feel like, oh, okay, this is going to tie in. No, this was strictly... This information is here for these characters. James Gunn handling his characters with respect and everything that you were saying, I agree with also. However, in this movie, something that I did feel was maybe some roughness with this being a shared universe. Particularly with the character of Gamora, who we know dies in Infinity War, comes back in Endgame, and so... What I really do wonder is what was James Gunn's plan with Gamora, assuming like she remained dead or did he want her to be in this story? Did she have to be in this story because of Endgame, you know, or was she always planned to have some sort of role? That's something that I definitely wonder because I could definitely feel this weirdness surrounding her storyline, even though, like you said, she brought some great moments. One of my favorite points in the film is with Gamora and Peter, and it's an interaction between them, including the one that you just said, but something about her felt off in this. And I think it may be because, I'm not saying I know, but maybe she wasn't supposed to be here at all. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just let you keep going. I think my, my stuff is really for the deep dive. For me, I, I actually enjoyed the movie. I did like it. I, I walked out and I saw it with my two friends and we kind of all looked at each other and you know, one of them, uh, Q, he was like, that was a good movie. And then uh, AI was like, yeah, I think I think I liked it more than some of the more previous films. And I'm like, oh, yeah, definitely more than the more previous films. But I think that a lot of this praise that this film is getting might come from that also. What we've been recently getting from Marvel, this might be a, a, a breath of fresh air for people that they may be breathing in too much. They might be seeing things that 
aren't actually there or feeling things that they wouldn't have. So I like that take. I like that take. That's that's an excellent take. But yeah, so that's where I'm at. I enjoyed it. But this conversation right here is going to dive deeper into my back and forth with the movie. And you said it, it, may, it might be the best Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And for me, I think it might be my least favorite. I think that's crazy. I don't know how you could you could be who you are and think that. So I don't even want to dilly dally. Forget all that we jumping in, you know, as host tonight. I wanted to just kind of get an overview. Now, you know, where I'm at, you know, where Willie is. Let's go piece by piece. I know you have a notes app or a mental note where you have talking points. I want to dive into those. Um, I will I will start with with one thing that I think is really important. Um, I think Rocket's character development in this film is beautiful. And um, the way that we start the movie with his backstory um, and we get to keep jumping and taking a sailor or a break or a respite from what's currently progressing forward in the story to see this emotional scene of why Rocket is the way that he is, what pain he's experienced. Um, it's almost like a backdrop. And, and thematically, right, because my big thing with James Gunn is James Gunn is an excellent writer. That's, that's just what it is. Like, he's funny. That's, he's funny. You have to be a good writer to write funny, bro. But he's not only funny, he's serious when need be. And a conversation that we are going to get into at the end of this episode, even though it is not related to Guardians at all, is his future. I just think James Gunn's ability to marry that seriousness with the comedy, it's because he's just a great writer. And that means the pacing's great, the way characters are interacting with one another. And I think that's what's happening in the backstory, but in a very, very like emotionally gripping and kind of quiet way. If you notice, a lot of the scenes don't have background music. You're hearing just the audio of the characters. Maybe when a dramatic flair hits, there'll be something. But for the most part, you're just hearing kind of just like voices and it's calm and it's and the way he tonally sets that up then jumps back into the action and the craziness and the debauchery but also the deep character development of guardians and i just think like that's a great way to get across rocket because you get this notion of him emotionally which i think is seen in his team that's why he rides with them but then you get this pause of this like calmness from i think it's just a great vacillation bro we can go back and forth and back and forth and and if you go back now and you watch it for a second time third time fourth time you'll see more strings of rocket story that will appear because it's just the it's the heartbeat obviously of the film i love that and so i want to hear what your thoughts are on the way they did rocket so something that I have in my notes app is a rough idea of not only my favorite MCU movies ranked, but my character list also. And I can tell you that walking into this movie, Rocket Raccoon was in my top 10. But not only was he in my top 10, he was in my top five. But not only in my top five, top three. He was my third favorite character in the MCU walking into this movie. Just because other characters move down after a lot of phase four handling. But this movie did him fantastically. All of the hints that we got from the first two Guardians movies about his trauma, his want to be a part of a group, but not fully commit to being a part of that group, was showcased here. This was his movie. This was his time to shine. And it was beautiful but something that I can't shake the feeling of is that this is, and like I said, this is his movie, but it feels like James Gunn wanted a Rocket Raccoon movie that he had to then put a Guardians of the Galaxy blanket around so that it could get made. I understand what you're saying, and I, I understand that you're thinking from an external okay, what position has James Gunn been put in by the MCU's movements and his individuality or the individuality of the Guardians movie coming to bite him in the ass now on the back end of when he needs to close said trilogy? I understand that, bro. But at the same time, do you truly think that Rocket Raccoon's movie would have been great if it had the opportunity to do that without needing a Guardians blanket or without having the Guardians blanket having to be done? 
I, I, because me, I don't. I think the Guardians are what make Rocket. There's a piece. There's a piece of story that it like validates it. You know, we can see each of the Guardians' development and how Rocket isn't the only main character of this story, and it makes sense because all the other movies are the same. Some some people could say that the second movie is about what's his name, Yondu. Some people could say that it's about Rocket, and it wasn't. But Rocket was involved because he was his trauma and the way he was treating Quill makes it even more of a reason why it's a Quill movie. But then at the same time, we get introduced to Mantis. Like they do this each movie. The first movie, we see them all come together. Quill's obviously the leader. He's at the core, but they know Guardians has that stitching. And I think that's why Gunn is having so much fun. He's great with movies like this. We've seen Suicide, the Suicide Squad. Um, I just think. I don't know if we would have gotten as special of a movie. I, I, Rocket's story would have been cool, but... There, there's there's no doubt that there are things that this movie delivered outside of Rocket that would have been missed. But like I said, I think that there is a deeper level that could have been taken had this not been a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. But it is just... It, frankly, it's impossible to have that. So what we got with him was done very well. With with specifically like showcasing this is where he comes from, this is why he is, and this is why he interacts with people. And now how do we change that so that he can grow from being with the Guardians, from being with the Avengers, from being with all of these people? Not even. I think it's like if you dig deeper into that, it's it's this is where I'm saying that the two storylines even intertwine, like this is the bridge. You know, that line where he says, one day me and my friends are going to be in a rocket flying into the sky. We're going to fly into the skies together. Like that line, you know, are, are the diversion of the, of the point in which it's shared of, oh, well, these are going to be his friends. You know, um, the four of them in jail together, the four of them being tortured by the high evolutionary, like those, that's going to be his friends. No, we've watched that fulfillment in the last two movies. So his development is great, but the stories and the glory of the guardians of the galaxy is what lands that point that he's saying about his friends flying into the sky. So it's like, despite this trauma, he still turned out to be a pretty great person. So it's not like he needed to go into this trauma for him to move forward, but rather there's an appreciation uh, for his story even more. And then he flips it into a strength and he's able to then lead the guardians in a way Peter Quill never could. Like, boom, if you you didn't have the guardians involved to the depth that you do in this movie. I don't know if you'd be able to have seen that growth and rocket and it really catapult like that on screen, bro. No, I, I get what you're saying. What I think there might be a misinterpretation of what you think I'm trying to say. I'm not saying that the guardians didn't need to be around, but like number one, I disagree with your point about him diving into the trauma. I think it is him diving into the trauma with the guardians around him that give him the strength to take on his past so that he can take this role of leader that he ends up taking at the end of the movie, right? He needs that team just like everybody else. Everybody needs a support system to give them the strength to handle their inner demons. But with everybody else being around, you know, they have to handle those characters also. But that's how you feel for real, Willie? Like they just handled those characters also? Who else's story do you feel like? And I, I think your Gamora point now, nah, bro, I'm really with the smoke tonight. The Gamora point is bullshit to me, bro. It's bullshit to me, bro. I'm going to tell you why. Yo, Gamora's death is one of the best parts of Infinity War. What are we talking about? And Infinity War is top two, top two movies of, of in Marvel in Marvel Cinematic Universe. And tell me, tell me it's not in your top two, Willie. Oh, it's not in my top two. It's number three. Jesus, peas and rice. It's top three. It's top three. And no matter what, it's a great film. And part of the reason why is because Thanos sacrificing her is insane. It's insane. It's, it's so, and then it's also the reason why Quill does something in that movie that we all hate him for. Because it's the stupidest reason for them to have not been able to, to get that glove off of Thanos' hand and stop this mass carnage. It was because he got emotional. So then we get into a movie like this where his emotions are in the forefront and he's bleeding on everyone just like he bled into the plan that was going to stop a massacre of half the freaking universe. At the end of the day, 
that was an important staple in this film. And it was an important reason for Gamora to be who she is in this movie. She has to be someone who is not an antagonist toward Quill. But at the end of the day, her it's just the way that the story goes. It is, an, it's, it, it is antagonizing him. It is his obstacle for him to overcome. It's his thing he has to get through throughout the movie. And it's impacting and bleeding into all the other team. The, my, ar- my argument for Gamora is that she didn't need to be in this at all. It is because of the decision made in Endgame that she has to be in this movie because they decided to bring her back. James Gunn's strength in this movie is that he did not do what people thought he was going to do. He did not just make them fall in love once more. He decided to say, no, this is a different woman. Which goes into my one of my favorite lines of the film, I bet we were fun. Because what now they have to do is They need to separate these characters and they have to have Peter overcome that obstacle that way. It's a breakup for Peter. But bro, that that romance is one of the most important pillars of the whole movie. And you're going to tell me that Gomorrah shouldn't, that she fell off? I felt like he worked her in so well, bro. Even the lines where she just is like, y'all are quirky, like... Who would even want to roll with y'all? Like, I got my own gang, but y'all are some weirdos. But then by the end of the movie, she's making selfless sacrifices and her heart's starting to open up to them because she kind of likes them. Like, it's cool to see that development, which we would have never gotten if it was the same familiar or if she wasn't on the screen. I thought that was dope. What it did for Nebula's story. Nebula seeing her sister soften up. Nebula telling her to soften up and being the one to say soften up. That's different for her. Like, he just pieced these storylines together bro i just thought it was puzzled well i don't have an issue with anybody's character development me personally it it is puzzled well and yet i don't i'm not i can't shake the feeling that i felt like gamora was out of place in this movie it felt to me like gun and i could be wrong my man be on the internet he might listen to this shit one day three years from now and decide to say yeah he's wrong But I just can't help but shake the feeling that she wasn't supposed to be here, but she had to be worked in. And because James Gunn is who James Gunn is, he bombed. He did it well. He did it well. But I can't shake that feeling that she was she she was put in later. I understand, man. I understand. You got that sixth sense. There's there's no there is no hate against it. It worked incredibly well. It, it, like I said, she was dropping bombs. She was saying shit that I was like, damn. Yeah, man. She she damn. was just, even the way she wasn't saying stuff was dope, you know. And Her it, face and all that. But to your point of Peter needing that obstacle, he can have the obstacle without Gamora physically being there. Nah. He can grieve. Nah. What you mean, nah? We saw him grieving. You know, we saw the Guardian special and we saw the relationship that him and his sister grew and that she wanted to. Exactly. And then what happened at the beginning of this movie? He was back to where he was in the Guardian special after finding his sister and finding that family. He was right back to where he was. He was, but there is still some level of. Like, we know he's in this position. We know he's mourning. What else do we need to talk about outside of, like, him having to face it to the point of closure? I don't know how much closure he'd be able to have without having that experience. And it's a, it's a loose end of Endgame. It's a strand we saw and it was introduced and we need to see something happen with it. And I think that makes me feel like there had to have been some purpose here. It may not have been James Gunn's vote, but at the end of the day, like, bro, I, this, this was important. This was, like, an important piece. I don't think her, I don't think him just processing it in his head or like going out into the world and just like, I'll get over her in time was going to work. I needed to see her on screen. And actually I need to see someone who looks like her, but it's not her on screen. Stop. Sorry. Anyways. Yeah. But you, you keep bringing, you, you keep bringing up Endgame, And meanwhile, my entire point is that Endgame's decision is what made this big change, bro. So you're thinking one way I'm thinking another. And that's, and that's just how it is. Yeah. You just, we, we buy the, we buy directional. I'm sorry. I just, you know, I get, uh, hey, it's top three, top five for me, bro. So it's like I gotta fight. I gotta fight for it, you know. Fight for it. Fight for it. I, I will always respect somebody's top five. That being said, you're in control of the conversation now. What's another talking point? A simple talking point that I want to get to is the music in in these movies. I think the volumes have all been uh, 
extremely popular with people and the song choices that have been implemented into the movie. And that being said, I feel like this movie implemented music not as well as the other two Guardians movies did. Not the song choices, but when they were used on screen, I felt like at random points, the music would just be like, Bam! and then they would just start and a scene would start with the music behind it. And I was like, this is, this feels weird to have music behind this scene particularly. I feel you. There's definitely some innovative audio transitions that are in the first and second movie that in this third one, there were some lazy cuts. It's like you could have done something, but you didn't. Um, but the points where they did do it, I, I enjoyed them very much. There's like the opening scene isn't a perfect example Obviously, he's he's listening to it. And at first, I thought that opening scene, it was like we were hearing in his head. But then I realized like they have speakers. So everyone in the town is listening to what Rocket is listening to. And I was like, oh, snap. That's dope. That's tough. Like they all jam. They're all jamming together. And he's, he's jamming personally, but they're all listening to the music. Um, and that becomes an important piece at the end. So it's like... As much as I wish they were more intentional with music, there are some pretty important moments where music makes the scene in this movie. Um, and again, man, I don't know a lot of actors. I mean, I don't know a lot of directors that do that well. Yeah, no doubt. I'm just saying that it's something that I noticed. Like, it, it felt like, it's like I said, just not as well done as the first two films. But the opening sequence was was great for this movie with Rocket walking around the town and then everything. Um, yeah, I can just move on to my next point. Wait, before you do that, I just want to say from, from my one of my points, which is a mini point, um, kind of echoing the first point of Rocket as the as a protagonist and his development in this, and then music, I, I think the way that they ended the movie was so beautiful, bro. And I know some people probably thought it was cheesy because it felt cheesy at first, but I felt like the way they stuck it. Um, there's a scene in this movie when Rocket, it's uh, when, what's her name? What's the name of the girl? The Lila. Lila, when she gets shot, there's a scream that Rocket lets out that is so like, it's just, he's a raccoon. <laughs> like it's, it's uh, primal. Like he lets it out and it's just pain. It's all his pain. And he just screams this big scream. And then it's from there that he attacks and he just breaks. The way they ended this movie was song goes from the 2000s. Everyone's dancing. And we finally see Rocket start dancing. And the kids are dancing with him. And they all are yelling like they're, they're cheering. And he just lets us scream out along with the music. And it's an echo of the scene when he screamed out his pain. And now he's screaming out laughter and he's screaming out happiness. And I think the way he wrote that and ended the movie, the music being behind that was just so beautiful. That's one of my favorite parts of the movie. It is the part that made me cry. Yeah, he, he wrote it up, bro. He wrote that up. You know, and it, it mirrors Guardians 1 where Peter comes to terms with his mother's death and it finally opens up the second volume where she's like, this is you. And he plays Ain't No Mountain High Enough. And it's an echo of that with Peter now giving Rocket what he tried to take away from him at the beginning of the movie. So it, that was just beautiful. Was Not fun. only that, he's been taking from him every movie. Exactly. So that's the passing of the torch from Star-Lord to Rocket beautiful, Raccoon. Beautiful. You know, it was beautiful. Yeah. The passing of the torch, nail on the head. That's so good. Yeah. So... My next point is very interesting. I had to sit. I thought about it for a little bit today. And the Guardians of the Galaxy films were always incredibly special because they were so different from everything going on in the MCU, right? You know, Guardians 1 and 2 were both these space adventures featuring these, these band of witty heroes and everything like that, right? It was so different. Like, Guardians of the Galaxy drops after Captain America, the Winter Soldier, you know? After Thor 2, after Iron Man 3, you think about the, what those films were and you're like, oh, damn, like, this is this is crazy. I think for me, when I think of Guardians 3, that specialness isn't there. And I had to think about, why do I feel this way? And then I remember, well, the last few movies, 
are more like Guardians than ever before. You got Ant-Man in the, you know, it's micro space, but it's still, you know, the band of heroes traveling this cosmic-esque type journey. You got Thor Love and Thunder on the same vibe. And so that specialness didn't hit the same for me the way the first two movies did. And you're, go, I, you're going right now. And, and that's what popped up in my mind. I was like, damn, am I burnt out on that type of movie? Wow, that's insane. Great point, Willie. You're going crazy right now. And so that was just big for me because then I was like, well, I definitely liked Guardians 3 more than I liked Ant-Man. And I liked it more than I liked Love and Thunder. Love and Thunder might be my least favorite MCU movie ever. But that just idea, I was like, damn, that hurt to have that loss of like, I I love when the like that first Guardians movie was special. And then that second one was. So that's just something I noticed. It's not necessarily a point. It's just something that I was like, that's something to think about. That's something that I wanted to bring up with you. Yeah, I mean, that's a... The reality is that's a per, that's a one subjective point um, because objectively it's hard to describe that. Some people may not be quote unquote burnt out. Um, you know, same thing is like when we say there's a Marvel formula, you know, I think that formula, one of the uh, variables in that formula is definitely what James Gunn has done story-wise and what he's introduced into the MCU. And that's the danger of having a, an individualized person come and make movies um the reality is their style is going to be copied or emulated and brought into different fashions because it's a money machine. And that's what we're talking about when it comes to the, the MCU formula. Um, I just think Guardians at the same time um, isn't... Okay, this is going to be a... You can say it's a reach, bro. Okay, just just hear me out though. We all knew that what was coming for Marvel was a cosmic vibe. So the part of the reason why I think Guardians has always been separate is though these are very human stories, if you think about it, they're galactic stories. They're going across the galaxy. There's a very cosmic style and setting for each of those movies. That's part of what I think made it special when you're seeing these guys fight on Earth, these different kind of like Earth-sized villains, I'd say, for lack of a better word. We knew Guardian, I mean, that Marvel was always pushing the Avengers towards the next level. We've done away with S.H.I.E.L.D. We're moving on to S.W.O.R.D., which means we're getting galactic. We're getting Captain Marvel-esque. So I think the fact that Guardians don't stand out as much is actually like a product of the story just kind of pushing forward toward a cosmic place as well. I mean, it is. It is. It's it's good for the universe, but it just hurt. And it was a loss for me when it came to this movie. It was a loss when they were on the planet featuring all the grown animals and everything in the cars. It was a loss for me to not feel something with that because I had just seen it in Ant-Man when they're down there and in there in that quantum revolutionary village. It felt like a loss. You know, it felt like a loss after watching Thor Love and Thunder and seeing all of the way they handled that. It was just something I noticed and I was like, damn. Yeah, it, that I feel that big time. I feel that big time. Um, but, you know, it's, I'm worried. I'm worried. At that point, actually, you shining light, shining light on that, it makes me a little bit nervous for what's to come because I'm, I'm starting to wonder what kind of a story does Marvel need to drop for it to feel not like a refreshing movie because it's not doing what it used to do but i'm talking about something innovative like when's another innovative idea gonna come out like that's why loki was so good i thought that was really innovative so um but in the meantime i I still think guardians was was special um as a james gunn film i felt it was special as a marvel film i felt like it was still one of the better ones and not just in the last couple i'm saying all, again man i think it goes blow for blow in certain places and it concludes itself in a very epic way um i know it's not a grounded or secretive or or a coming of age-esque it's like it's bigger than that but at the end of the day those stories are still so special um like it didn't wrestle with what Endgame wrestled with. Let's dive into that. Why is it better than Endgame? It's because Endgame had the job of closing up a lot of loose ends. And so did Guardians 3. And Guardians 3 sticks the landing, in my opinion. Endgame had a couple places where I was just like, eh. 
But listen, I could dive into this topic, tons of topics forever. I'm just saying Guardians, I think, stuck the landing in concluding these stories. There's not a single story that I feel like is like, oh, but what about? Bro, even the damn dog, the damn dog had a conclusion, bro. The whole time we're just waiting for her to hear good dog. And he tied that like not, not up too. And when I saw them, I said, uh, 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 is that joke resolved yet? Ah, they're still beefing. Back into the action of it. Back into seeing High Evolutionary do some foul shits to these animals. Back into back into the, the Drax making a stupid con- Bro, it's just, it's Guardians. Who does it like that, Willie? Who, who does it like that, Willie? You know, since you brought up the High Evolutionary, I do want to speak about him. Because I'm hearing a lot of people saying he's top five MCU villains. And I think they're bugging out for that one, bro. I'm with you on that. Because I thought there was something there when you at the beginning, you see his hand coming in and when he's having his discussion about, you know, in the early movies about everything going on. And then, in my opinion, he just falls into the screaming lunatic villain archetype that by the time that movie was over, I was upset that that's what he had turned into. And then I became even more upset to learn that they didn't even include the fact that he's alive. He's in prison on nowhere. James Gunn had to confirm that outside of, on Twitter. Like to me, that's weak. That's not top five villains to me. Yeah, man, I agree with you. I mean, I just think that the high evolutionary was just a necessary evil in the way he was for uh, us to see um, Rocket developed the way he needed to and the Guardians kind of unite against one menace wanting to have power in the universe. And I think, like you said, bro, it's just like something had to be sacrificed, I suppose, in the writing. And I guess the villain had to. The villain can be too, too good because <laughs> we, we needed the story to be great, right? I mean, it's not Ego from Guardians 2 where it's like the villain's the dad and like that's kind of really meaningful. That's different. You get an excuse. It's well, he, kind was, of, he was meaningful to Rocket in, in a writing sense. But that's true. Like I said, the way he just falls apart in the end from being someone I was genuinely interested to seeing to just okay, like... Okay. So here's a question then. Uh, is he better than Ronan? I think Ronan was your typical bad guy in the sense of, I want power. Give me power. So, no, I don't think he was better than Ronan because I think this guy had some complexity there where he was saying, like like Rocket said, you, you just don't like things the way they are. You want to be God. He wanted to be that figure, right? So, um, you know, and, like, the complexity of, like, when Rocket bested his intelligence and he was just so angry at that, he was trying to understand, how, how have you done this? Like, that was very intriguing to me. Where Ronan the entire time, I didn't care when he was on screen. I was just like, whatever, he's typical bad guy. So, no, I don't think he's better than Ronan. But people have asked me if I thought he was better than Kang. Oh, no, no, no. And I don't think he was better than Kang at all. Kang... Kang is just the first layer. We've just seen the first layer of that character, and that first layer is still monumental compared to the High Evolutionary. But like you said, Willie, High Evolutionary's, um, the sickness in his mind, his pride blinding him to not even be able to go, wow, I, cre I created something in Rocket, and his smarts is still a product of what I've done. If he just paused to look at that for a second, he realized... He's, he's yelling at himself. He's yelling at himself. So his development as a villain was unique in that regard. It was kind of like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs level, while Ronan is just kind of like a plain old villain. So I think it goes, but, but it goes, Ego is the best villain I've seen in the entirety of Guardians, and then second would be High Evolutionary, and then third would be Ronan. I think I agree with that. I, I can definitely agree with that. I want to talk through Dave Bautista and his acting. Um, again, we've talked about this in the past. I think Dave Bautista is the best wrestler turned actor alive right now. One million percent. If you think Dwayne The Rock is better than no, you Dwayne's, are, you're smoking the rock. He's the bottom. <laughs> Why are we acting like he's not the bottom? So all that being said, I think in this movie, man, uh, there's a timing to the way Drax delivers his jokes. Uh, you can't teach that to somebody, bro. That's I think he's just it's so good, bro. The scene when he's eating the chip, when he's eating the chip, there's none left. It's perfect. And and sometimes I'm like, yo, did they edit this to make it for nah? I think he really does deliver it like that, bro. He's just hilarious. And um 
I loved his development here too, right? Because it's like the degree that the character is funny and leaves an impression in that comedic regard, it almost is like their development is just as um, meaningful in this movie. So like, I think Drax was hilarious, but I also loved the story of becoming a dad, of being a dad and a, and a more than a dad, dad's the term they use, but instead of being a conqueror, he is a caretaker. And you start realizing there's a heartbeat that he is to the group um, that has existed in all of the other movies, even though he's this guy who is so literal and so like, why do you even have emotions? Those are stupid, you know? And I, I just think it was cool how they humanized them in this one. What about you? Uh, a lot of criticism that I've seen over the handling of the Guardians of the Galaxy it comes from Drax. Uh, a lot of people feel like ever since Guardians 1, he's just been treated as a joke. Or in that movie, there was a lot of depth and complexity to the character. And I can see why people might say that. Because, yeah, you know, he did lose that. I must kill Thanos or yada, 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 like my daughter. And But, but I think this movie brings it back to that level of like... Especially in the end where he's tearing up saying goodbye to Mantis. It's... It's, it's very eye-opening, similar to, like, Rocket, like, the things that sometimes people suppress, although, although I don't know if Rocket's suppression and Drax's suppression of their emotions can be the same thing, because Drax almost, I feel like he may not have realized what he was suppressing, um, but I loved it. I loved it. I loved when he was interacting with the children, and she was like, Nebula, who freaking phenomenal from where she started. I love where Nebula ended up. Um you know, Drax was just very much like, okay, this is my, this is what I'm going to be doing now. This is where I am. He's found his place. He's finally found his place. Not even that. I think it's also the way that where he is, uh, Nebula is the one that told him he's that, you know, Nebula is the one that affirms that in him. And obviously we know one of the big tension points between them in the movie was she thinks he's useless and she thinks that he's just an a-hole and a waste of space. And then she's like, why is he such a detriment to the, to, and then it's like, she's cause he's not following his purpose. Exactly. So once she sees that click into place, it humbles her. And then she's able to call that out of him. And I love how they did that. And what will that, that means? Like even the last, the last scene, um, where you see everybody going into the fight, you can tell that the kids that are now becoming quote unquote guardians of the galaxy and the fact that we see a kid grow, the same kid who connects with Drax is the one that joins the team and we see her fighting in that end scene. Like he's impressionable. He creates warriors, but in a way that's different. I just, it was dope, bro. It was just dope, bro. Yeah, I, I love it all. I, I With Groot, I love where Groot has ended up. You know, we've gotten confirmation that that version of Groot is the child of the Groot we lost in Guardians of the Galaxy and not the same person. Uh, just design-wise, I think he looks great I, by the end of this film. Uh, he looks like what I imagine that comic book come-to-life character to look like. The one Guardian member that I could never really connect with was Mantis. Um, uh, even, even with the bits and pieces that they... They started to do, however, in this movie, although I wasn't, I wouldn't say that I fully connected with her, I loved the idea of someone who can read the emotions and feed emotion to people uh, having this inability to connect with her own. And I feel like by the end of this movie, she really got to that place where she's like, I need to go find out what I'm feeling. Or I need to go find my own place, my own way. And I, I thought that was brilliant, even if I couldn't connect with her for the last few movies that she's been a part of. Yeah, I think she was a gimmick at first, but then there's a there's a grounding to her as a gimmick that happened in time. I mean, if you haven't seen the holiday special, I recommend seeing that because you do get a little bit of the beginning of that development or that being put on screen and being yep. flushed out. Between her, um, Drax, and then her and Peter. Absolutely. Right. So when Drax is like, I'll go with you at the end of the movie, it makes sense because the adventure we saw her on and that he goes with her. Um, things that are meaningful to her, he tries to back it up. Yeah, obviously, you know, that's his friend. So all that being said... Well, fu funny enough, to my point earlier... The Guardians holiday special felt very special to me, the, the, the magic that I was speaking about earlier, because of the fact that that was a spin on the Guardians movies while we were dealing with these space adventures. That was a very human Earth tale. And I just think it's funny that you brought that up.
One of my favorite scenes, and I want to talk about the fighting in this movie. I want to talk about the combat, the action. What did you think about it? Um, I think this movie had one of the coolest fight scenes. I've again, I think it's it's top three, if not probably like top two, uh, neck and neck fight scenes for me. That long one minute and like thirty second to two minute long clip of them just endlessly fighting down that hallway and passing off of each other and it being in slow motion in some moments. It reminded me very much of that church scene from Kingsman Secret Service. Um, and so like, so, so like I thought that was dope. What did you think about that? Do you think I'm bugging with my opinion? No, that one shot was spectacular. In fact, it, it I don't know if it was so good that I can't think of any other scene in, with action in the film that stood out to me or if that is the only one. But it was fantastic because it, it, it was the team working together. I know I just talked about that point, but that was the team moving like a well-oiled machine right there. That's what that was. Now, top two is crazy to me. When you consider Winter Soldier and Shang-Chi just as films, but I'll let you have it because it's new and I know you're fighting for this movie right now. Nah, you silenced me with that Shang-Chi. I forgot. I'm bugging out. Top three, top three, top three though. So one person that we need to talk about was um, Adam Warlock because I think a lot of people didn't like it based on comic fans. And I just want to know, do you feel like he was valid in this movie? Do you feel like he was only in? implemented into this movie because he was teased at the end of the last guardians movie um what do you think because for me like i thought he worked i thought he was funny i think it's a good starting off point the way they handled all the stuff with the sovereign didn't really rub me the right right way it just kind of just ends you know with the big explosion i thought that was kind of weak but i thought adam warlock was funny one of the funniest parts in the movie is when he, you know, uh, Gamora got the knife to the dude's, the pet's neck. And she's like, I'll kill him. And, you know, right before he he was he was going crazy. He was, he said, let's not be rash. Like, I thought that was hilarious from him. Like, I thought he was performed very well. And I'm excited to see where they take him, assuming he can grow from this immature, childlike manner that he has. No, nah, for sure. I mean, I think that was, the for, just to go to the Sovereign, I didn't care for the Sovereign. I cared for Adam Warlock, not just because of how it ended in the, the second movie, but I know Adam Warlock is a, is a, is a, an Avenger. You know what I mean? Is a He's, he's, a, he's a hero well-known in the galaxy in the comics. So all that being said, when they were setting him up to be the antagonist, I knew at some point that would have to swap. And on top of that, I just thought that, you know, remember, these are the people who, aren't these the people that they steal the batteries from? The Harbulary batteries? Yeah, like they were just a, an obstacle, a set piece. So the fact that they overstayed their welcome and Aisha had the opportunity to be on screen for as many scenes as she was on, Again, they were necessary evils for the sake of Adam Warlock's development, and that's cool. Um, but I didn't really care for them. So I didn't really care how they were done. But I think Adam Warlock as a character will now get to see him grow, and that'll be really cool. I'm down for that investment. And yes, I thought he was hilarious. I thought the way he came up in there and bodied them, put this man, uh, rock, Rocket, into a critical state, um, um, was basically killing Drax. Like he was bodying Drax in that opening scene. He's pounding Drax's face in, like his blood all over the place. Like that's another thing about this movie you didn't talk about. It's a gory flick. There's some gory scenes. Like it's it's alien and and, and galaxy gore, but it's still pretty crazy. And that felt- like that like that skeleton body that Warlock burns. Yo, when I saw it, I was like, oh shit! Like damn. Perfect example. Like they just did some crazy stuff in this one, and I think that his power was on display so raw in that scene um that it makes me excited to see how they flesh that out for sure before we um we hit my james gunn superman short talk to conclude the guardians talk isaiah what did you what is your number rating of the film my favorite movie of all time in marvel is winter soldier just to give you an understanding i consider that a perfect 10 uh if anything like a 9.9 And I'm just giving it, I'm just letting it breathe. You know, like when you pop a bottle of wine open, I'm letting it breathe. But rating wise, I give Guardians 3 a a 9, a solid 9.0. I thought it was a strong 9, a steady 9, a steady 9. 
Is there room for improvement? Of course. Were there things that could have been handled differently? A lot of James Gunn having to make sense of the mess of Marvel Cinematic Universe. Sure. Um, are there things I wish could have happened? You know, we can get into that conversation maybe at another time, but it's still a pretty great movie in my opinion. So in the past, for, for my rating, I, I, I've i looked at my list right now. I have both Guardian movies, one and two, marked down somewhere between like an 8.5 and a 9. And I just, I can't, like right now, I can't shake this feeling that I feel like, uh, you know, on a theme, on thematic level, it hits. But there's so much here that I want to say maybe an 8. I do need my second watch. These are all my my notes app. I don't put it in my notes app until I see it a second time. So like right now it's not in here, Guardians 3, and it won't be until I get to watch it once it drops on Disney+. Plus. But um, if we're talking just rating it amongst the MCU, I have both of these movies at the tail end of the 10. So this is this is not even in top 10 for me. But to quickly just move on. We know that James Gunn is the head of this DC studio stuff. You guys can actually tune in two weeks from now when you and I are going to be dropping our episode on DC films, looking back on the DCEU, some of those side movies, and then talking about the future to hear a little bit more of this. But people were worried about James Gunn being the one to be handling Superman. And I think if you watch all three Guardian movies, there are themes there that line up with Superman so well that I don't think you need to be worried. People think, oh, I'm just, he's just going to turn this into a joke. But like Guardians 1 isn't just a joke. Guardians 2 isn't just a joke. And this movie isn't just a joke either. I know someone who said that this movie has helped them feel more comfortable with James Gunn being the one to do that. And so my point being, I think Superman from James Gunn, Superman Legacy, has the potential to be an incredible Superman experience for people who might think that that character is the boring, overpowered superhero. Listen, bro, I agree with you, man. If, if James Gunn is able to bring the heart behind Superman back to the screen, to the big screen, the way that they've captured it in that CW depiction with Superman, Lois Lane, um, or even the cartoon versions, I'm there for it. I'm watching it all. No matter what, thankful for James Gunn. These last three movies from Guardians of the Galaxy have been always refreshing amidst the other Marvel movies. They're great stories. They're my wife's favorite. You know what I mean? And she don't even like Marvel movies like that, but she likes these. That's saying something. All that being said, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We're excited for next week's episode because next week we are going to do a recap of the PlayStation Showcase. Lots of games, lots of announcements, lots of things that are all out on the internet. Uh, so make sure that you watch every piece that you see on YouTube, then jump into our episode next week here at Kazawap, where you know you're always going to find two cousins, one podcast, and endless entertainment. Peace.